Seven Giddings, it's Dan Devon. Welcome into Warriors this week. We have you for a couple of more hours. And there is certainly a lot to discuss on a week that saw Jonathan Kaminga in and out of the lineup. Jonathan Kaminga going to the media and talking about his displeasure with his role, not only with the Warriors, but specifically with Steve Kerr. The Warriors, of course, with that epic loss to Denver, follow things up with a victory against the Detroit, thus concluding the week that was. Up next, they take on the Toronto Raptors. That'll be right here, of course. You know the drill. 95-7 the game, beginning with the pregame show. 5.30 is the tip, and then they conclude the homestand with a date against the New Orleans Pelicans as the big fella comes to town, of course, I'm referring to one Zion Williamson. Let's get back out to the phone lines. Oh, you mean James Wiseman last night? Well, James Wiseman, actually, a couple of key blocks. Yeah, you see him dunk on, uh, I think it was Sharich. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he had an that's and right. one. He did. That's pretty good. He still, you know, listen, we don't want to dog the guy, because I think it's it's really important to keep perspective. Anytime you mention his name, just like that of Jonathan Kaminga or anybody else, he is so young and has still played only a limited number of basketball games, including his collegiate career with Penny Hardaway and out in Memphis. So, I mean, the jury's still out on the guy, but he still looks at times a little bit lost defensively, which was really the big knock on him. It wasn't the physical tools you could see, but it's just the rotational help, the help defense, and just sort of understanding the way the Warriors do things. He just wasn't moving quickly enough, I think, for them. Yeah, no, look, I think everyone is still rooting for James Wiseman. He did nothing off the court that would make you think he's a bad person. I think in, in Kerr referenced it pregame yesterday. He kind of got caught in between where the Warriors thought that they were heading and where the Warriors ended up becoming you know, a championship team. And so, unfortunately, he just the, the fit wasn't right, but I'm sure everyone wishes him well because yeah, he's a really good guy and it's unfortunate that the Warriors whiffed on him but uh, that's just the reality. He speaks Mandarin for crying out loud. That's <laughs> he a, does. That's a smart <laughs> dude. Steve's hanging out in Oakland. Oakland is the location. Steve is on board. Hey Steve. Hey good morning guys. Thanks for having me again. Um, I just wanted to comment on um, the progression of this team. Obviously you know they're not as fundamentally sound as the teams we've had in the past that have won the championships. So, therefore, Steve Kerr has to do a little more um, matching and moving. He's done a better job of letting the guys make mistakes and um, left them in the game. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't found the right rotation. Moody has to play more. He hasn't played at all, hardly. That's an issue because he's, he's as good as anybody on that team when he's on the court. Um, Steve Kerr has to do a better job rotating players in and out, obviously, and kind of frustrating watching. It's going to be a long year, but they definitely need Draymond back because he's the coach on the floor. He's the one that really kind of orchestrates a lot of the young guys that don't know where they need to be as far as spacing. So we really need him back. Um, but unfortunately, when he comes back, Kerr's going to have an issue with the rotation again. Um, mm. But I think having Draymond back is is, is, a, is a lot smaller issue than having guys that don't know where they need to be on the floor. And there are also too many three-pointers being taken. A lot of easy layups are being passed up to pass the three-point line, and that's a problem in the NBA. But with the Warriors, if we improve that, we can win a lot more games by playing a little more physical inside, in my opinion. Thank you. Steve, man, a lot of good calls today. Steve yeah. is, again, spot on. 
I'm one of those. I'm a big proponent of Draymond Green, and I think this is a better basketball team when he's on the floor, and they do miss him. They missed him against Denver. They missed him last night, especially when you have a young team. He is that sort of player coach. Ev, what do they do when he comes back, and who's going back to the bench? Is it Kaminga? Well, I actually don't think anyone right now because, well, according to this starting lineup, like Chris Paul was in the starting lineup. So right now I think the bigger question is who you replace Paul with in the starting lineup. It could be Pajemski. It could be Moody. Um, it could be Wiggins. Like right now if you're looking at the Warriors and, and Draymond Green coming back into the fold, I think the guy that I, I would think goes to the bench is probably Looney. Or whoever is at that five. Some, I know sometimes it's been Trace Jackson Davis, but to me, the Warriors right now, and what what I want to see from Draymond, and I'm not in the camp of I can't wait till he gets back. Honestly, I'm kind of indifferent, Dan, just based on his actions, based on how the Warriors have played in his absence, and based on some of the progression we've seen in his absence, mainly from someone like Kaminga. Uh, I'm not necessarily excited for his return, but I also think it's necessary if the Warriors are to realize their potential or at least figure out what they have with this team. To me, the the, the lineup that I want to see when Draymond comes back, and it's still possible, even with the injuries, is Curry, Clay, Kaminga, Draymond, and Wiggins. I think if the Warriors are to figure out their ceiling as a playoff team, as a May through June type of team, probably less so on the June side, they need to figure out if Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga can play together. And I think Draymond Green gives them a chance to learn more about that because he's a secondary playmaker from the forward spot. He, along with Curry, have two creators on the floor at the same time. And I think with Wiggins and Kaminga, they have the most potential on the defensive end to get stops, which they haven't been able to do. If those two cannot coexist, then it really doesn't matter to me what Draymond Green brings or doesn't bring back when he returns from his suspension. That lineup to me, or that two-man combination, is what the Warriors have to figure out if it can work by the trade deadline. Because if not... One of them has to go. And I don't know about you, Dan, but my choice right now, I'm leaning towards Andrew Wiggins because Kaminga has too much potential, and I think he's earned an opportunity to be not just be a part of this organization, but be a focal point of this season. So when Draymond returns to the fold, I want to see how he impacts Wiggins and Kaminga being on the floor together because right now they haven't been good enough for me to feel confident that they can play together moving forward. Yeah, I think two things jump out at me. You're very small. If that's the lineup, and I'm with you, that's the that's a talented five. But I think Steve Kerr would tell you that they just haven't played well together, and you know this. And I agree, statistically, yeah. they haven't. And Kerr would also tell you that yeah, you need time to develop that rapport, but time may not be something they have. That a trial by error for a team that's expected to win right now that that's where you get into this whole juggling act as a head coach. It's not Detroit, it's not Utah, it's not a rebuild in Washington, right? Where you can just roll them out, let's see how you guys play together. We're not trying to win right now, we're trying to develop for the future. The issue with Steve Kerr is you can do that to a certain degree, but at what expense? Like while I try and get these guys on the same page, can I afford to lose more games, I think is what Steve might point out to you. All right, back out to the phone line, San Mateo now the location. Steel Toe, where you been? Welcome aboard. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I uh, just wanted to share my thoughts on the Warriors. Um, it, it, I always 
thought uh, it, it, it was really about um, Steve Kerr versus the two-point bucket. It wasn't about Kaminga. It's hmm. about Steve Kerr really against all big men that score in the paint. Uh, ever since Kevin Durant left, Steve Kerr's uh, uh, offensive system or system dead last in inside the paint scoring, uh, dead last on the free throws. Um, it's Steve Kerr's broken system. If if Steve Kerr had uh, Joel Joel Embiid in his system, Joel Embiid couldn't average twelve points in Steve Kerr's system. Same thing with the Joker. If the Joker was playing Steve Kerr's system, the Joker could not even hit 10 points average. Steve Kerr's system is the broken part of this Warriors organization. That's why I, I think he really has to go. Thank you. Steel Toe, thanks so much. It's a good question. Chicken or the egg. Is it the system or is it the players? Is he playing? Does he have players? that he has to play to their strength, which is obviously shooting the three, which is why getting back to Weissman, why missing on him was so, so significant. Because I think the Warriors recognize the trend in the NBA right now is that you need a big, because the big has returned to the NBA. And the Warriors are still playing basketball as though it's 2015-2016 when they, of course, you know, they changed the template as to how to win games. They would like to move with the times. If you look at anybody you have right now that's relevant, the big is back. Like you, you, Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, Milwaukee has got Giannis, you come out west. It's all about the land of the Giants. The Joker, you've got Carl Anthony Towns out in Minnesota, you got Chet Holmgren. Everybody has a serviceable big, a skilled big. And I think the Warriors, it's not so much Steve Kerr, or I could be wrong, that Steve Kerr is saying, no, this is the way we do it. We only stay small. We just want three ball. I think they tried to go big with James Weissman, mm-hmm. which would have been perfect for them to sort of combat the bigs that I just mentioned. It's that they missed on the guy, and now the cupboard's sort of empty, and this is what I have, so I can't necessarily play in the paint. Yeah, I mean, I think the call is a little extreme that Jokic and Embiid wouldn't succeed in Kerr's system. I think that's giving Kerr too much credit, honestly. <laughs> of like that he is he is the man that's kind of pulling the strings behind everything. Uh, I don't think Kerr's the reason behind Stephen Curry's greatness. I don't think he's the reason why Klay Thompson was a top two way player. Why Draymond Green was a transcendent defensive player. the The job of the head coach is to amplify your stars, and right now the Warriors have one star. The Denver Nuggets have two on some nights, maybe three. The Milwaukee Bucks have a star in Giannis. Philadelphia's got a star in Embiid and a budding star in Maxi. Like I, I'm with you. you. You said it. You put it perfectly in the first hour, Dan. Like players win. You know this is a players' league, and right now the Warriors don't have the players to match up with the big boys. Now they, I think that that's not an excuse for being a game below 500, but. I do think that Kerr has probably lost a few games for the Warriors this year. Um, he might have helped win a couple of games for the Warriors this year. 
But right now, the Warriors are in a position where they have to figure out, like, I think the most important part for me before this deadline, and I don't think we're going to see a move until February 6th or close to, is because they are still in a discovery position. Like, they still have to discover what this roster has and what they want it to be. And whether that's for this season, I think it's more... To me, kind of looking down the line, you're looking big picture at what you can project for next year because I don't think they can win a title this season. Um, but you also can't necessarily just, you know, give in and give up. So, you know, I to me from that call, I, and I and I understand the frustration with Kerr, and we get, have gotten a lot of that on this show on Warriors Live Warriors Wrap Up. People have voiced frustrations with Kerr, but to me, to say that this season and the shortcomings in repeated performances in which the players themselves have taken onus, have talked about blown leads, and not being able to figure this thing out, saying that Steve Kerr is the biggest reason why they are a game below 500 to me, is giving him too much credit. Like I, I don't think that he is the reason why when the Warriors were winning championships, I don't think he was the biggest reason for that. He helped that. But Curry, Clay. Dre, KD, like that's why they won championships. Iguodala, that's why they won championships. And they're not as good now because I don't think their players are as good. Kerr can do so much, yes, but I don't think he's the sole reason. Marks in San Francisco, as we go back out to the phone lines at 888 Hey, Mark. Hey, gentlemen, you know, I think we need a, a score, a, a really proven score coming off the bench like Brondon. Bondanovic of Atlanta, somebody like that, or the one from Detroit. Um, to me, that's what we're missing. I mean, when Wiggins is in there, you can't depend on him to get a key hoop. I mean, the reason we lost to Denver is nobody could bury a, a bucket. When we had an 18-point lead, you know, we could have finished them off. And, and even our veterans couldn't make, make that big shot. I think we need another scorer coming off the bench. Well, it's not off the bench. Yeah, so thanks so much. How about starting this? lineup? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who can score at this juncture for the Golden State Warriors, and once again, it's to sort of, you know, who offsets the scoring from Steph Curry, and if Steph Curry is not having a good night, well, then it just becomes that much more problematic. Well, like that's what stood out to me watching the first half against the Pistons, and it was a, it was a sleepy first half. Like their top scorer was Dario Saric. Like that's who, by the way, doesn't get enough love. Okay, all right. Well, I I think he does. Um, maybe you and I differ on him, and we can, we can get into that. I think Sharich is a player that looks really good on a team that lacks scoring because he can score. Like Sarich is a player that to me gives up on the defensive end as much as he makes up for on the offensive side. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, I don't think he's bad. Look, he's shooting 39% from three-point range, a little bit under 50 from the floor, 10 points a game, six rebounds. Uh, but if Sharich is you know, your, your primary or secondary scorer for an extended period of time, I just think, I just think you're in trouble. So, and... <clears throat> Excuse me, to the caller's point, I think that is kind of a, a larger issue with the Warriors. It's not like they they have scoring off the bench. I think they're the second best second unit as far as scoring goes in the NBA. Like they outscore teams on the bench. The starters haven't been able to get it done with consistency. And that's why I think we've also seen 11, and now it will be because of Chris Paul's absence, 12 different starting lineup combinations for the first 35 games. Like, Kerr's trying to mix and match guys, and I don't think he's found the right combinations yet. But to me, a scoring answer off the bench 
is not what the Warriors need. And in fact, a problem that I do have with with the way the roster is formed right now is there's probably a lot of players outside Curry, you know, maybe Clay, Kaminga. There's a lot of players that on Denver, like if you just look one through five, Curry's starting over Jamal Murray. Is Clay starting over? KCP or no, Michael no Porter Jr. No, there's, there's no one that's cracking that Denver lineup. That, that's what I'm saying. Like Those guys would be great secondary unit options for a championship team. Right now, they need those players to either play better or you got to figure something out. Gerald's in San Francisco, California. He's our next caller. Gerald, how are you? Man, I'm great. How are you? Well, thank you. Fantastic. Great, great, great. You know, a couple things. First of all, if the big three need another $40 million player, then at least two of those big three need to consider themselves as role players. Uh, You know, when I look at this season, it is clearly because you have Draymond losing his top and not playing and getting kicked out of games and getting stupid penalties that change the momentum in games. And it's it's Curry and Clay. Every time something gets rolling, they're like, oh, I'm hot, I'm hot. And then they start jacking up contested threes when the ball should be moving. And they do that all the time to break momentum. You know, and then last but not least, we got a bit unlucky. We we rolled the dice on some Fugazi dudes. <laughs> Poole was Fugazi, love him, but he was Fugazi. And so is Andrew Wiggins. That's why the, 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 the fan base loves J.K. so hard, because he shows up every day with passion. You ain't got to put a battery in his back. He ready to go every night. And so that's why the, the fans see it, so that's why they pushing him. And he's our own. We drafted him. So if the Warriors got to attach him, first round pick to get this dude out great we got a championship out of him no need to try and keep whooping a dog that don't want to fight he don't want to do it so why are we pressing him <laughs> good job <laughs> you know he did touch on something that i that i wanted to expand on and he's right i believe that when clay and steph hit a couple of threes and they feel as though they got it going they become a little bit selfish they feel as though it's time to heat check, and they have that latitude. You can see that Steve Kerr is like, you guys, you're not Jonathan Kaminga, you're not Moses Moody, you have a leash to do whatever it is that you want because you're such good players, and if you feel as though you're beginning to, you know, you're on one and you're, you're making some threes, I'll let you go ahead and play it out. And they do it at the expense of moving the basketball, and they do it at the expense of what is contextually should involve other players of what the game or the flow dictates that they get in their own head that hey listen i once scored 37 and a quarter i'm having one of those nights i know there's two guys on me i know i'm fading to my left i know i'm off balance but i'm shooting this three because that's who i am that's my brand and they get away with it and i do think it becomes at the expense of, of Warrior Possessions, and it also, and I, I talked about this specifically, if someone was to ask me what happened with the Golden State Warriors, and there's a lot, there's a multitude of things that you can point at in that loss to Denver down the stretch in squandering an 18-point lead, but first and foremost to me, it was Steph Curry. And it was not only the turnover in their last possession, but it was the, the poor decision and the shot, the lack of shot-making and the ill-advised shots early in the clock, but a lot of that is to what the college has pointed out, that they have this liberty to go ahead and like, okay, you're on one, go ahead and, and do you, 
as opposed to running Warrior basketball. And what that leads to is runouts, easy transitional baskets for Denver, which is exactly what the doctor ordered. If you want another, if you want to let another team back into a basketball game, shoot ill-advised long threes early in the clock that lead to runouts the other way and layups on the other end. That will bring another team back into the game. Not only will it allow them to cut into your lead, but it allows you to cut into the lead quickly. And I think that the Warriors become susceptible to that in living with that three ball as though it's still 2015-2016 and I'm still Steph Curry or Klay Thompson of yesteryear in my mid to late 20s. And sometimes that can be really, really problematic for the Golden State Warriors. And I don't know how you move off on that. Again, because to a certain degree, they've sort of, you know, they've almost gotten to a point where Steve Kerr is like, you know, I owe this to you. I don't know how you curb that, but as a head coach, I I do know that you need to rein that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of good points made by the caller there, and, and there's a lot to unpack. It, when it comes to Stephen Curry, I think that's someone that everyone is okay with being selfish, but that's something that you live and die with, and you're okay with living and dying with Stephen Curry being selfish because he's still playing at an all-time level. But you're right, when you combine... They're not turnovers, but they are kind of live ball leakouts when you're taking quick shots that lead to long rebounds and you're not getting back in transition. But even when you're just not when you're loose with the ball, like a big reason why Detroit was in that basketball game is the Warriors weren't shooting well. They turned the ball over 19 times. 19 turnovers. It led to 28 points. Like that's why Detroit's in that basketball game, including down the stretch. That's how they cut into an 11 point lead with seven minutes left. And that's not a team that should have any semblance of hope against a team like. You know the the Warriors when they're playing at their potential. So, you know, and the Denver game. Um, look, a- as much as I do think Steph rushed a lot, I also think that he at times feels like he has to. Because, for example, the game before against Orlando, I thought Curry in the first half took a lot of quick shots early in shot clocks. And Orlando is a long, lengthy, very good defensive group. They're second in the NBA as far as per one hundred possessions. Curry was taking quick shots because he had to get them off. But once they started falling, then you get into a rhythm, and then you do want Curry to keep shooting because you don't know who else is going to be able to catch fire. So when Curry scores his 36 and he gives you you know, 13 in the fourth quarter and he's taking advantage of, of mismatches and crunch time, well, then it's all good. The more interesting case study to me is Klay Thompson because he is someone that can shoot you out of basketball games, but he's also someone that I think because there's a lack of scoring around the rest of the roster kind of has to be the pseudo-second option on most nights. And when he doesn't have it going, well, then I want to see what he did against Detroit, which is at least provide some semblance of a defensive presence, be able to stay in front of a guy if you can like Kate Cunningham. And he can't do that every single night because there are quick guards that are better players, and he's past his prime. So for me, the selfishness I don't have an issue with when it comes to Curry. The selfishness around the rest of the roster I don't think is I want to go get mine, I want to prove something, but it's looking around and saying, gosh, we don't have anyone else right now besides 30 that can do anything. Let me try and help. And that, to your point, is not Golden State Warriors basketball. Well, I would just say specifically that Denver game that I think they blew, they built the majority of that that significant lead without Steph Curry. I think it was a lot of Pajemski. It was sort of that collective effort, and then all of a sudden it became Steph centric, and that's when they squandered a lot of it. All right, Austin, as well as Antoine, 
Hang on. we got to get to a break. We continue. We'll take your phone calls. It's Evan Giddings. It's Dan Devone. It's Warriors this week. We roll along with much, much more right after this. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Someone on the 707 Comcast text line saying, Hello, Kaminga is the second scorer option. And we can discuss that as Kaminga potentially, can he rear his head to being the number two? Which night? Yeah, which night? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, actually, I, I like JK's growth as, as far as his passing is concerned. Like, I, I think, I mean, you, you'd like to see him, you know, attack certain matchups and, and, and I guess, you know, be more offensive minded sometimes. But, I think his feel for the game is what's impressed me the most about him this year, and he's still not, you know, all the way there. He's got room to grow, but his his feel, I think, has been much improved. Like he looks a lot more comfortable. Like the game is slowing down no for doubt. him, and that's a great sign at age twenty one. Yeah, and he's making extra passes, and he's seeing the floor. You can see the growth, but there's still a way to go. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Warriors this week, alongside Evan Giddings. It's Dan Devone. We're talking about the Warriors. We're talking about Jonathan Kaminga. Warriors. Coming off that win against Detroit, up next they take on Toronto right here on 95.7, the game beginning with a tip at 5.30, pregame show. What time are you going on with the pregame? Uh, Granny should have the pregame at 4.30. Yeah, 4.30 will be Warriors live, and then I'll have Warriors wrap up after. There we go. Phone lines, 888-957-9570. You know the drill, 888-957-9570. We're backing up once again this time for the first time today, off to San Jose, and Austin joins us. What's up, Austin? Hey, fellas. Happy Saturday, Dan. And uh, Evan, good to talk to you guys. Listen, a couple thoughts. Uh, first of all, I, uh, Evan, I, I will say that uh, there's no excuses for, uh, for Steve Kerr. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's been, he's been a fortunate to win four titles. We all appreciate that. But at the same time, uh, you don't get to just revel in success. You have to take, uh, you know, your responsibility for when things don't go well, too. So he's getting paid a lot of money to, 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 ma- to manage that team. So, if it isn't happening, I, I'm going straight at him, number one. Number two, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, I think Jonathan Kaminga has really had been put through a lot with the Warriors. First of all, when they drafted Weissman, he was by for that for that, but he was forced to listen and sit back and watch them try to coddle uh, Weissman unsuccessfully into a success story, which he never was going to be. And so he had to sit through that. I don't think that people when people were sort of associating them the same as being the same talent level and needing, needing the same development, which was never the case. Uh, Weissman was never going to develop the same way that Jonathan Kaminga has. So I think that was a, a misstep on the Warriors. The third thing I wanted to say was, why are we, why are we nitpicking, nitpicking Jonathan Kaminga's shortfalls? I mean, Steph and Clay were allowed to develop through their, through their problems, and none of, neither one of them are, are perfect players either. I mean, Steph's skills can't pass the ball very well, yet he is good at a great shooter. So why don't we just accept what Jonathan is good at and stop nitpicking what he's not good at? The final thing, guys, is draft trade trade uh, deadline. I'm interested in adding someone like maybe it's a thought, uh, kind of a guy that's off the radar, somebody that's not as talented, maybe not working well with their team, someone like Ivy or DeSante Murray, um, who was a really good on-ball defender, um, that's the kind of guys they got to go out and get. Somebody that's a little bit disgruntled with their current team, but has a lot of talent. What do you guys think? Thanks. I'll keep listening. I uh, appreciate that, Austin. No, I, so the, the Kerr thing, 
look, his feet are going to get held to the fire no matter what. Uh, that that's just a fact. If and look, it's he doesn't have a contract for next year. If anything, that should tell you the kind of confidence right now that the Warriors have in him right now. Like he's he's in a contract here. He doesn't have one. So it's not about defending Kerr or not defending Kerr. I, I don't think I necessarily am, but I I am trying to I guess approach this with a realistic sense that like this team is not great as currently constructed and I guess I just don't know how much Kerr is supposed to do with that I I know you point at the head coach when things go wrong uh, but I I guess I prefer to point at the players when when things go wrong so that's number one DeJounte Murray is is interesting Uh, he's you know someone that has got a lot of money coming up and he's going to be owed, you know, hundred and what, hundred and fifteen million over the next four years. So, you know, I think that the Hawks would love to move off of Dejounte Murray because he's not a part of their future. I'm not sure how much he helps the Warriors, and I also don't know how much the Warriors in general. Like, I think Dejounte Murray is a fine player. I think Jaden Ivey could develop into a fine player. But I don't know how many more guards the Warriors want on this team or how many more small players they want. Like, Dan, I'll throw this back to you. If you're looking at needs for this Warriors team right now, where would you start? Star. It's got to be someone to the marketing or it's the Pascal Siakam level. You don't need, you don't need to you know, move players in the proverbial sort of, you know, Shifting the deck chairs on the on the Titanic here. This is either you get better, or if you want to make lateral moves, you're just wasting everybody's time. You're just moving salaries. So if this is about you're at the you talked about this, Evan. You laid this out. You're at the crossroads of this basketball team, right? It's either a commitment to the youth, or you're going to stay status quo with the Steph Draymonds and the Chris Pauls of the world, and so. If you're going to make a trade, it's got to be impactful. This is going to be considered a significant trade because in order to get that quality basketball player, you're going to have to give up. Jonathan Kaminga, I'll just I'll put it out there because you cannot... GMs aren't stupid and they're going to hang up on you unless you mention Jonathan Kaminga being part of a trade piece. That's the only way you're going to bring value back. Now, a lot of people, I'm not saying do it, I'm just saying that that's the trade they have to make. It's to go get a star player so that you can win right now and so that it unlocks and all of a sudden this now you have an identity and this makes sense. You have a star player to go along with another star player and Steph Curry and then you have these youngsters that you can mix in. As of right now, it's sort of amorphous, right? And we've discussed this. But I think if you're going to make that deal, it's going to be one that's going to bring back a star and you're going to give up a boatload, including not only stars, well, the Warriors, you know, I I use that term liberally, but you're going to be giving up draft picks and significant players that are currently on the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think the most valuable asset the Warriors have is their draft capital because they don't have a pick this year, but 2026, 2028, they can trade their first-round picks. And if I'm a team looking at the Warriors, with the way this season is trending, with the direction of their stars, which are getting older, I want every first-round pick the Warriors got right now because I don't know what they're going to be. Like They might be a lottery team in four years. So that, that 20, 28 pick might be really, really good. It's also a reason why if I'm the Warriors, I don't want to move off of any of my draft picks because I don't know where this thing is going to go, especially 
if Curry doesn't continue to play at an all-time level, which, based on history, beyond age 35, he's probably going to decline a little bit. And we've, I think, seen even glimpses of that throughout this season. So I I think the Warriors are also in a tough place from a trade perspective because I don't know about you, Dan, but I I don't want to give up Jonathan Kaminga. I don't. And when you don't want to give up your most valuable young player, and I would be less inclined to give up valuable draft capital, well, then it's very hard for me to envision a star coming back in that trade. So to me, I I don't, and I also don't think there's really a star out there. Like the best player on the market that's been thrown out is probably Pascal Siakam, maybe Laurie Markkinen. Um, But neither of those players to me are game changers from the standpoint they're going to put you into title contention with what the Warriors currently have. And we don't even know how they'd fit. So I think they're good players. But to me, the the more realistic way for the Warriors to approach this is, and I wonder how much the Chris Paul injury affects it. And we've talked about this before. To me, Chris Paul is the most likely piece to be moved because he's an expiring deal, makes about $30 million, could bring back a a decent piece or maybe a couple of players, although I don't think they need even more players. Um, And he is not someone I think the Warriors envisioned having on the roster long-term when they acquired him. So if you're going to package Paul and Kaminga and a pick, I think that's probably your best price to go out and get and fetch something big. But I wouldn't want to do that. To me, like if I'm looking at players that can kind of help you around the margins, I do think it needs to be a wing. I don't think that the Warriors are dissuaded from playing small ball if there's the right guy out there. But it's got to be someone that can either score from the wing, can provide some defensive impact. And so Siakam does check those boxes. I just think that he's too expensive for me to give up what the what the Raptors would want, in addition to not knowing if Siakam's going to be back next year because he's a free agent, has already stated he's going to test free agency, he's probably going to want a pay upgrade, and is going to be making 40-ish million dollars beyond next season, and that'd be too much for me to commit to. I think, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy we saw last night for the Pistons, is someone that's attainable for the Warriors. He's a little bit older, but... He wouldn't be around for all that long. He's making $19 million next season. He's pretty affordable. And then maybe a 3-and-D player like you know Dorian Finney-Smith for the Nets has been rumored to be in trade talks. I know he's not a sexy name, but he shoots 40% from three. He's going to be making $15 million for the next two years, including a player option in 2026. So you know th- there are guys that I think you can go out and get. I just don't know if there's a star out there for the Warriors that's attainable for what people would be asking for. If you're going to go get players that you just mentioned, whether it's Bogdanovich, then just, to me, just keep what you have. Because these are just lateral moves. It doesn't, uh, it's not really impacting winning one way or the other. Because you have those sort of players. Maybe they're a step above, but it's just, it's the same you have that sort of personnel on your team currently. I think if you're going to make a move, this gets back to what, what it is that you were talking about. You have to make a commitment either to the youth or you're going to say we're going to stay and try and win a championship right now with Steph and company. This is going to be a significant... Yeah, it's, it's a bit liberal of me to say Pascal Siakam is a star. That's a bit of a reach, but... He's an upgrade from just about everybody else that, not only you mentioned, but I think that are available in potential trades. Now, obviously, Toronto says he's on the trade block. What do you have? And I don't even know if the Warriors have enough assets, quite frankly, to turn the head of that at Toronto. Chris Paul is in, it now becomes a really interesting component because if he's a trade piece, there's a good chance that he's on the shelf come February 5th. So yeah. 
you know, how much value are you going to get back for a guy who's going to be on IR is the big question going forward. Let's get back out to the phone lines, Ev. Oakland, California, Antoine wants to get in on the conversation. Antoine, what's on your mind today? Hey, Dan, Evan, really enjoyed the show. You know, I think my frustration is, is really with uh, Steph and Clay and, and Steve Kerr's handling, because I think one of the callers from San Francisco mentioned it earlier, is that, you know, those two guys cross the half court and then, you know, take these the first shot, right? The ball has stopped moving. And historically speaking with the Warriors, you know, we play the beautiful basketball, ball's moving, we get easy buckets. And it just seems like in the last, four or five minutes of games, ball just stays with Steph or, or uh, Chris Paul or whoever, and then we can't get any shots off and we're, we're having these massive scoring droughts. And that's where I'd like to see Kerr like, call the timeout and say, hey, listen, we need to move the ball. And I get it. You know, Steph is a historic shooter, you know, greatest of all time, but he has been in a slump. And, yeah, he's had a couple 30-point games. But to me, those games are hollow because, you know, He's not scoring in money time, and we need to move the ball. So uh, that's my thoughts, and uh, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, it's a good point. I sort of kicked off the show talking about Steph Curry and why I felt that he lost that game for the Golden State Warriors against the Denver Nuggets. Now, obviously not him alone, but if I had to pick one factor, it mm. was you know, the lack of, of taking good shots and shooting early in the clock and being double and triple teamed, quite frankly, at times. And Denver recognizing that the players on the floor, the personnel that the Golden State Warriors had, that it was only Steph because you, know, you had basically two non-scorers at any moment on the floor in those closing moments, which is another argument to bring Jonathan Kaminga back into the, you know, back into the fold and sh- certainly should have been on the floor. But I do think, and we've heard this from more than one caller, Ev, that, you know, Steph and Clay at times want to turn back the clock and they have the rope to do so and, and think it's still 2016 and they can still be that guy. I think Clay Thompson is a completely different player. When he lets the game come to him and he's more judicious with his shots, and when that three is there or when he has the mid-range, he's such an efficient basketball player and you can live with some of those misses. And I would say the same holds true to a certain degree with Steph. But there are times when they want a heat check and they feel as though, you know, this is my world and it becomes at the expense of what it is that the Warriors are trying to do structurally from an offensive standpoint, which really jeopardizes the team. And again, just to reiterate, and I don't want to get into coach speak, but it leads to those leakouts and those runouts and those transitional baskets the other way, which really got the Warriors, I think, uh, pointed the direction of them squandering that lead against the excuse me against the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, it's an issue going forward, and I, I don't know the conversation you have with two guys that you know are staples, you know, in that dynastic run you just enjoyed. Well, Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson did have a heart to heart, but that, I think that was more about the negative energy that Clay brings when he isn't playing well or isn't shooting well. And I think for Clay Thompson, yeah, you want to see him take better shots for sure, but the issue is. I don't know who I trust right now outside of those two to consistently make timely shots True. down the stretch of games. And I don't even know if I trust Clay Thompson right now, quite frankly, to, to consistently make timely shots. Like, Steph is the only one with the ball in his hands down the stretch of games that I'm looking at and say, okay, he, he can go make a play. I mean, even Kaminga, I think Kaminga's really good and he can get downhill, but 
whether it's because Kerr hasn't played him down the stretch of games or he hasn't been assertive. Like last night against Denver, or sorry, Detroit, he, he closed, played 36 minutes. He didn't score in the second half. Uh, he turned the ball over a few times. So while he was productive in other areas offensively, he wasn't a guy that I was looking to to necessarily take over. And the issue with Chris Paul being out, not that he's someone you throw the ball to and say, hey, go get me a basket, but I do think he makes it more difficult for me to envision that that passing coming back because you're not just missing one creator, you're also missing two because Draymond Green can be a guy that moves the ball and keeps it um, in flow. Chris Paul, while the game slows down, there's less pace, does know where to go with the basketball. And actually, you know, you're talking about um, decisions during the Denver game and and Curry making some bad choices with his shots. I, I think the 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 weird part to me watching that final possession is you went out and got Chris Paul because you wanted someone that could take care of the basketball. Why isn't he initiating the play? Like, why is Curry bringing it up the timeline and running a rub screen with Chris Paul? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Like, shouldn't you have Curry off ball? Because whether Curry gets it to Chris Paul or he makes the pass into the corner with Andrew Wiggins, I don't know if I necessarily trust those guys to make that shot with the game on the line. Maybe Paul has been there before more than Wiggins, but you know Curry's the one I want taking the look. And against a long, lengthy team like Denver, I think he's got a better chance of getting that look off ball. So you know, if there's coaching decisions that I'm I'm struggling with, that would be one of them. If you're going to have Chris Paul in the game, shouldn't he be the guy controlling the play? That's what he does best. And now you don't have that anymore. So who's going to fill that void? Uh, to me, and you got a glimpse of it last night, but. I think we are going to see some more of Corey Joseph because Steve Kerr trusts him at the point. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I would like to see more Pajemski on ball. I would like to see him more at the one. But he's also a rookie. And does he have that ability yet? I think he needs to develop it more. Um, And this is a great opportunity to do so. But with Chris Paul being out along with Draymond Green, the Warriors, I do think, are going to have to play or are going to be more inclined or... They're going to be, I guess, tempted more so to play hero ball because there's not as many players on the floor that move the rock like Chris and Draymond. And I think, Steve Kerr, to your point, said that Moody would play with the absence of Chris Paul. It creates some minutes for Moody, and I know he's become a fan favorite. And also, uh, Corey Joseph simply is getting run because it's a matter of position matchups, right? You just lost your point guard. So he's the, what, he's number three in the depth chart. So just logistically, he's going to get some run because I know a lot of people just, are, it's like a head scratcher. Why is Joseph playing and not Moody? Well, it's different positions. Let's get back out to the phone lines. We're going off to Gotham City, New York, the location. And we welcome in Wade. Hey, Wade, how are you, buddy? Hey, how you doing, guys? I love the show. Great insight you guys give daily. I love it. Thanks, man. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, one thing, uh, Steve Kerr definitely has been very questionable with his decisions and time and having running uh, Kaminga and um, Wiggins on the court at the same time. I agree Moody should get those runs, or those reps, and more minutes, at least five per game, onto the court as a defender and a floor spacer. Uh, just with more reps, you know, you never know what potential will shine because he has shown he did crack the uh, player rotation last year. Um, Kaminga is here. He is ready. I don't, I don't agree with Kerr not running him out there against Denver with him having 16 points in 19 minutes with four assists or four rebounds and being the main reason why Jamal Murray could not stay in the game in the second half. Um, and had him ride the bench. Uh, having Clay Thompson guard Jamal, Jamal Curry, um, I mean, Jamal Murray, 
along with Wiggins in the second half. I agreed with him chasing over the screens, but he couldn't do anything offensively. He did not uh, match uh, what we needed at that time in the game. Kaminga's a step faster. He gets out on the floor. He had the same amount of free throw attempts as the rest of the starters in that game in 19 minutes. So that right there was a negative for me just with the trust factor. Steve Kerr mentioned uh, trusting the vets and giving them their, their due. I agree with Curry running the ball um, but having it in his hands because they struggle with him being blitzed. They haven't figured out an answer for when teams decide to double-team him high when he crosses half court. And that is another thing I feel like can be tightened up with him being on the court when Draymond comes back also with having a lot of threat in TJD and having Kaminga cutting back door. Kaminga isn't a great shot, but he does have a good sense of get downhill to the rim or shoot the shot if needed. Klay Thompson also, he should stick to that also getting down shot, hitting those pull-up uh, mid middies because that works also. Hmm. A lot of stuff. Good job, Wade. I think he makes a good point when you're talking about blitzing Steph. When we talked about this off the top, it's just a lack of personnel. You you have the affordability as an opposing team to do that because, you know, go prove it to me, Golden State Warriors, who else is going to score the basketball? In the closing minutes, we know we can take the ball out of Steph's hands. You guys have yet to prove that there's somebody, again, personnel-wise, that can score consistently. Jonathan Kaminga, I think it's an it's an interesting X factor as to whether or not he can be that guy. And I'll put it to you, can he take steps where he can become that solid number two? And again, this gets back to Steve Kerr, and I'm probably the last guy in the room that's, that's going to go after the head coach, and especially when it's Steve Kerr. I'm just a big fan. I'll get out in front of that uh, right off the top. But I do think in this instance, n- not only should he have played in the final 18 moments, but I think that because of the situ- situationally, it just screamed for Jonathan Kaminga because you needed someone else who can score the basketball. And he clearly, at least in that game against Denver, had proven that he was your second best option. But just generally speaking, going forward, how confident are you saying, okay, I need you to be the number two? Could he fill that role? And I, obviously not there yet, but if you were to look you know, in that crystal ball of yours a month, two months from now. On given nights, yeah. I mean, the game where she got himself back into the rotation. I know it's a Portland team that's not very good, but he took over that game. He's the reason why the Warriors won that game you know, a few weeks back before the new year. I think on given nights, Kaminga can be your second-best offensive option. I thought he was for a half against Orlando. And the one area that Kaminga really helps that I don't think any other player can and Wiggins would be the other one, but they're kind of redundant, at least for now, is Kaminga can get easy looks. Like, Kaminga can get to the rim and at least have an ability to finish around the basket. He's the one guy you could ISO on the Warriors. Yes. Well, Wiggins can too, but I think Kaminga's in a better position. Mentioning Wiggins in the offense these days is just like, yeah, I know he can, but this year, for whatever reason, he can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, he should be able to, but he hasn't shown himself to be that guy. Kaminga is, to me, that could someone that could develop into that. To me, his offensive game is probably closer to Iguodala, than a real, like, number two. But Iguodala could also get to the cup. And he can use his, his athleticism to, to take advantage of certain players. Like, that's, to me, the biggest reason why Kaminga should have been in the game against Denver is you couldn't buy a bucket. Well, who's someone that can at least put pressure on the rim, get to the free-throw line, maybe get a layup? Because at that point, you're talking about one basket. Like, one basket wins you that basketball game. 
in large part. It doesn't have to get down to the final half-court heat from Jokic. You get a bucket, you play the free-throw game, you win. Outside of Curry, I don't think there's anybody else that can attack the rim and generate a consistently good look outside of Kaminga. That's, to me, what the, the egregious mistake is you needed one basket, and the only guy that could get to the rim against Denver throughout that game was J.K., so that's why I think he could develop into a nice second option because he's one of the few people that can actually use his strength and athleticism to attack the tin. Uh, but I still haven't seen it consistently enough for me to say, yeah, he does that every night. All right, we got to get to a break. My man, D, I see you. Do not move. I want to hear from you. D's going to be on the other side. The rest of the callers hang in there. It's Evan Giddings. It's Dan Devone. It's Warriors this week. We'll be back after this quick commercial timeout.